This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 67 degrees at 9.04. The forecast today, mostly sunny, a 50% chance of scattered showers and possibly some afternoon thunderstorm activity, a high near 80. Right now we have very low, comfortable humidity with a dew point only at 55 with our 67 degrees. Very scary and potentially deadly situation in downtown Binghamton over the weekend has remarkably ended with some rattled nerves but no injuries and relatively minor damage to a building. According to reports the City of Binghamton Fire Department posted on Facebook, firefighters responded to the Verizon building at 64 Henry Street, just yards from the downtown Binghamton Post Office, at 2.23 p.m. on Saturday for a report of an explosion and fire and found heavy smoke rising from the sidewalk grates outside the Verizon building. The firefighters conducted searches of that building and neighboring buildings looking for possible victims, fire extension, possible gas leaks, or buildup of carbon monoxide. Authorities found the blast apparently happened in a utilities vault in the basement. Firefighters stood by with specialized materials and equipment as New York State Electric and Gas crews worked, prepared to rescue NYSEG crews from the confined space if they ran into trouble. NYSEG found a 12,000-volt heavy amperage transformer had exploded, hurling a thick metal cover plate across the utility vault. Fire officials commented it was lucky there were no pedestrians on the sidewalk at the time of the blast. Broome County District Attorney Michael Korchak's office is reporting a listing of sentences handed down in Broome County Court last week. According to a news release from the DA's office, authorities say two Binghamton men have been handed prison time for two separate incidents that happened last fall. 20-year-old Gabriel Curry has been sentenced to five years in New York State Prison to be followed by five years post-release supervision. According to prosecutors, Curry pleaded guilty to attempted robbery. The news release from Korchak's office says that on October 5th, 2021, Curry displayed a pocket knife and forcibly stole some money from a pizza delivery worker. The attempted robbery happened on Milford Street in the city of Binghamton. The other sentencing that was reported by the district attorney's office was for 36-year-old Jalel Ruiz Sr. of Binghamton. He's been sentenced to serve two to four years in New York State Prison after he pleaded guilty to a felony count of burglary. Prosecutors say Ruiz broke into the Boost Mobile store on Shenango Street in the city of Binghamton on November 26th last year and stole electronics. WMBF News Time, 907. A statue of Binghamton native son, author, and playwright Rod Serling stepping through a doorway of imagination at Recreation Park on the west side is closer to reality. New York State Assemblywoman Donna Lopardo announced during the weekend Rod Serling Festival events that a $50,000 grant has been secured for the Rod Serling Memorial Foundation. The Democrat says it's important to recognize the importance of Recreation Park in Serling's life, both growing up in Binghamton and later as he used the park as inspiration in the episode of The Twilight Zone titled Walking Distance. The foundation has been working for several years to raise the money for a statue to be placed in the neighborhood where Serling lived, played, and rode the carousel. The state grant helps move the effort forward by a big deal, but organizers say they still need to raise $25,000 to complete the statue and have it placed at the park. At this point, it's expected the statue could be completed next year. 
if the rest of the money is raised for information on the Rod Serling Memorial Foundation, you can go online to rodserling.com. As part of an effort to keep illegal drugs and other contraband out of state prisons, New York State is taking away one of the few perks of life behind bars, if you want to call it that. They used to be able to get care packages from home, but no more. They will no longer have people allowed to send inmates care packages from home. Under the new policy, which the state began phasing in last month, friends and family will not be allowed to deliver packages in person during prison visits, and they won't be allowed to mail boxes of treats unless those are coming from a third-party vendor. While the rule will not stop prisoners from getting items that can be ordered online, like candy bars or other snacks, they will lose access to foods from home. New York had been one of the few states in the nation that still allowed families to send packages to inmates from home. The rule is already in effect in the majority of state prisons nationwide. Starting this month, the state prison system is also testing a program where inmates will be blocked from getting most letters sent on paper. Instead, incoming letters will be scanned by computer and prisoners will get copies. That change is being made to try to head off a trend of people soaking letters in drugs to try to get them past the authorities. WMBF Newstime 909. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, mostly sunny today, a 50% chance of scattered showers and afternoon thunderstorms, a high near 80 tonight. Mostly cloudy, just a slight chance of isolated showers and thunderstorms, and a low in the upper 50s. Tomorrow, partly sunny, a 30% chance of showers and afternoon thunderstorms, may start off the day with some patchy fog in the morning, and a high again near 80. Wednesday... Maybe some patchy fog in the morning. A 40% chance of showers and afternoon thunderstorms. Otherwise, mostly sunny, a high in the low 80s. Thursday, mostly sunny, high in the low 80s. And Friday, sunny, a high in the mid 80s. Currently 67 in Binghamton. It's 11 past 9 where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. Joseph, it's Monday morning, and welcome to a brand new week of information and discussion here on News Radio WNBF. 607 772 1290 is the number. We encourage you to consider calling local issues or perhaps non local issues if the spirit moves you. And the number is 607-772-1290. The email address is bob at wnbf.com. Well, let's see. You know, it was uh, 51 years ago that Richard uh, Milhouse Nixon decided that price controls. He, he froze wages and prices. You remember that? Of course you don't. But imagine, if you will, 
if President Biden pulled something like that today. <laughs> Imagine if you will. So that's, I think that happened about 51 years ago. But, uh, yeah. A wage and price freeze. Not sure that, <laughs> not sure that's a good thing. Uh, looking back, it says uh, President Nixon declaring that America is at her greatest when she is called on to compete. He imposed a 90-day wage price rent freeze and invited world reshuffling of exchange rate changes that would amount to devaluation of the dollar. He announced it in a hastily arranged television and radio address to the nation. Mr. Nixon pictured his far-ranging program, much of which he put into effect immediately, as a bid to cut unemployment, stem inflation, protect the dollar, and make American goods more competitive with foreign products. The freezing of wages, prices, and rents. Again, Richard Milhouse Nixon, a noted Republican, did that 51 years ago. So, just so you know, not saying it'll ever happen again. I don't believe that'll ever happen again. But can you imagine if a Democratic president pulled something like that? Yipes. <laughs> Let's see what else is going on. Oh, continued my... Uh, Upstate America Goodwill Tour over the weekend with a visit to Syracuse to see the Syracuse Mets perform their magic against Buffalo on Saturday. It's a nice stadium. Beautiful, beautiful stadium. Had fun. I, uh, I suppose I'll be back. Let me know if you've um, ever been to the Syracuse Stadium, Syracuse Mets Stadium. It's a relatively quick trip up Interstate 81, so it was nice. I mean, my preference, my preference, as you might imagine still, is for the Binghamton Baseball Stadium. That's my personal preference, but... Been going there now for three decades, but Syracuse Stadium is uh, nice. They had a very nice fireworks show. Everybody seemed friendly and happy. So that's my report from Syracuse making the news today. Who knows? One of these days, one of these days, I'm going to wind up in Queens, see the real Mets. It's nine sixteen. WNBF. Kudos. To Kevin Stevens of the Present Sun Bulletin for a remarkable package, which actually has been online for several days, but the print's presentation showed up in Sunday's newspaper. So Kevin Stevens looked back on 2016, the main and well Little League, when they won it all. Doesn't seem possible. And it's been six years, but has been. And uh, quite a quite a project for Kevin Stevens. 
at Press Connects and the Press and Sun Bulletin. So glad, glad to see that type of follow-up. Glad that we uh, are able to uh, give acknowledgement to those young men who did, but completely unexpected. It's one thing when they wound up going to Williamsport, Pennsylvania to play in the Little League World Series, I think most people figured that was victory enough, just making it to the Little League World Series. Who ever really expected that they would win it all? And yet they did. Yet they did. So nice to uh, look back on uh, still a, a remarkable accomplishment. That would be hard to replicate. You never say impossible. It would be difficult for that to uh, happen again, but hey, you never know. Certainly uh, serves as inspiration, I suppose, to anybody in Broome County at any level in Broome County, whether you're playing sports or whatever. If you persist, if you're good, and of course some lucky breaks along the way, but it's pretty remarkable. 918 WNBF, taking a look at the WNBF.com websites. Website, my favorite website. Oh, drug rates turn up fentanyl in Binghamton. Okay. That's one story. Nobody was hurt in a transformer explosion on Henry Street on Saturday. Also, um, hmm. Oh, I like this. A taxpayer-funded public defender for Governor Cuomo. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's nice. Of course, the other story that I find fascinating, of course, is uh, the IBM Country Club. Tear down that country club. And as you heard on Friday, the county executive, Jason Garner, said the demolition of the beautiful IBM Country Club facility in the town of Union, that is eminent. So goodbye. Goodbye, Country Club. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, a lot of memories there. Shocking. Shocking when they, they weren't able to figure out some way to bring it back to life. When I think of all the good times at the IBM Country Club over the decades, at a nice facility, admittedly, big setback because of flooding. But still, it, it seems uh, shocking that somebody didn't come up with a concept to save that place and redevelop it and use it for an event site. It was used as a decent event venue for a few years after IBM sold it, but things didn't quite work out. It just seems seems a terrible shame that somebody with a vision and some money didn't come along and, and save it. But ultimately, before long, the wrecking crews will move in and it will be just a memory. 921. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF.
607-772-1290. And, of course, we'll read some emails today. If you send them to Bob at WNBF.com. Nine twenty four WNBF Monday morning with Bob Joseph. Mid August, you're just moving by so quickly. Let's take a look uh, from the email from the WNBF Department of Email. Oh, let's see, note from Ron. Sounds like you read the paper. Did you read my guest column on the editorial page? No, Ron, you didn't tell me it was going to be in. I was dazzled by the Kevin Stevens package on the main end, well, Little League. But uh, I thought that was the only local content in yesterday's paper. Hold on, let me let me look up the guest column from Ron. That's the thing. It used to be you had to allot maybe an hour or two for the Sunday paper. You don't have to allot that much time anymore, but I did enjoy, as I mentioned earlier, I enjoyed the the package that was done by Kevin Stevens on the main end of Little League. Let me see if I can find the do do find the editorial page here. Of course, I don't think they run. They haven't run any local editorials on that page in quite a while. Unfortunately, that's one thing. One thing that was lost. Oh, here it is. Hmm. For some reason, page B nine. Page B, B9. Now I can't find it. Hmm. Must be looking in the wrong place. Anyway, I'm sure Ron will call in about... About his uh, his opinion piece. Oh wait, here it is. <laughs> or maybe not. I don't. Hmm. Let me see Linda Jackson's column. Oh, here it is. Don't be proud of your children. Ron from Binghamton has heard on WNBF. Your turn. I am not proud of my children or grandchildren. Sound awful? Think about it. What is pride and what does it engender in those we love? Pride in our children reflects our own psychological neediness. What is lacking in us that we need to live vicariously through our children and depend on their success to amplify our self-worth? 
Okay. I'll read the whole thing. I won't read the whole thing on the air. That uh, would defeat the purpose of having a thoughtful written opinion. Closes, though, by saying, if you have the need to exhibit pride, be proud of your house or car. Things cannot be wounded psychologically, but leave the burdens of your psyche off the kids. It is a joyless feeling knowing that it is your job to make your parents proud. Allow children to live their lives, not yours. Ron from Binghamton. Thank you, Ron, for calling that to my attention. I'll have to pay closer attention to the opinion pages in the future so I can see submissions that are made by WNBF listeners. So thank you, Ron. I'll read the whole thing later when I have a chance. Also see uh, Endicott Mayor Linda Jackson had a piece on the opinion page. We'll say I missed the uh, editorials in the newspaper. I know Gannett, and when I say Gannett, I don't mean the people in Binghamton. Gannett Corporate, they've been cutting back on things like editorials and syndicated columnists because... Well, you know, it costs too much money. It just costs too much money to provide that sort of thing. But the problem with those cuts, though, in my opinion, personal opinion, shared by many, but probably not by all, when you start making cuts like that, no local editorials and cutting back or eliminating syndicated columns, the uh, newspaper starts to lose relevance. I would think. It's 929 WNBF. Miller Motors on the Parkway in Vestal is open right now. The Miller Auto Team is there to serve you today, all week, all the way through Saturday. So if you're interested in finding out all you need to know about new Honda vehicles, new Hyundai vehicles, stop by. The Miller Auto Team at 4455 Vestal Parkway East on the Parkway. Yes, it's directly across from Binghamton University. It'll be open tonight and tomorrow night until 7. So if you're interested in something brand new or perhaps something that is almost new, a previously owned vehicle, stop by. See what they have. They'll explain the options. If you have a son or daughter who is preparing to head off to school, You might want to make sure they have reliable transportation. They don't need to be worried about their vehicle breaking down. Go to Miller Motors. You can get more information on the used vehicle inventory at MillerAutoTeam.com. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF Binghamton, WNBF.com. Your new recording. miles an hour through Tioga County. Wouldn't that be newsworthy? It's 932 WNBF. 
on Twitter at Binghamton Now. A very interesting issue. Uh, Eric writes, with the IBM Country Club being demolished, is the red brick house being torn down as well? I thought it was registered as a historical place. I believe it is being torn down, but I believe they have plans to maybe put a plaque somewhere on the property to acknowledge it. So, yes, the red brick house, I think it's the Crocker Mansion. I don't think that can survive. I I think it should survive, but it, it can't survive because nobody came along in the last 15 years to do anything to fix it. So, you know, if we... If we really wanted something to survive, we we could have raised money or something or found somebody. You know, there are people in the area who have the kind of money needed to be able to fix a place like that up, but they never came along to fix it. So, unfortunately, I believe the wrecking crew awaits. So I know... When I see that being torn down, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be very sad. But I also will acknowledge, at this point, there's not much you can do about it. That's what it comes down to. The um, county, which now owns the place, or the IDA, well, I guess it was bought by the developers. But anyway, they waited about as long as you could wait. They had um, a private party in, I believe, Tioga County. He owned it for some years, but nothing ever became of it. So what can you do? Place week after week and month after month was getting more and more run down and becoming, as they say, more of an attractive nuisance. And so that's that is the bottom line. You know, they were having trouble securing it. It seemed every every time you looked somebody broke into it and more vandalism, more graffiti. You know, it's actually amazing somebody didn't break into it and do something worse. It's actually amazing as far as I know, no one was ever seriously injured in there. I think that's shocking that nobody was seriously hurt in all the years that it has been just crumbling. It's 9.36 WNBF. As we mentioned toward the end of Friday's program, the author Salman Rushdie was attacked at the Chautauqua Institution in western New York. It appears... It appears that he'll survive, but I uh, have a sense that he'll never he'll never be back in decent shape. It sounds as though he's uh, sustained some very very serious injuries, including I believe he may lose an eye. So, according to the uh, information we're seeing, Salman Rushdie has been removed from a ventilator. And according to the New York Times, he's on the mend, according to his agents. 
Andrew Wiley said an attack the road to recovery has begun. It will be long. The injuries are severe, but his condition is headed in the right direction. And how sad is that, that somebody who is just getting set to give a presentation not far from Buffalo, right here in the great state of New York, how sad is it that he was nearly killed by some sort of deranged person? So it's shameful. The violence that we see on an almost daily basis is shameful. Governor Hochul spoke at the site where Salman Rushdie was attacked on Friday. She called the stabbing cowardly. That was her her description. Kathy Hochul said the stabbing was cowardly. We condemn any individual or any group that dare violate the sanctity of a place like Chautauqua or to an attempt at assassination on a world leader. That cannot happen in New York. We're standing up. Well, it was cowardly. Shameful. It's 938. Deplorable, in fact. WNBF, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Bob. It's Ron. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Ron. Thanks for letting me know that you had the uh, uh, opinion piece in the paper. I'll have to start thumbing through that paper more carefully now on Sundays. Yeah, there's gold in them there, Hill. Yeah, too bad it wasn't every Sunday. It's I, As I said, it used to be always predictable that you'd have to spend a fair amount of time with the local Sunday paper. Yesterday's was was uh, special, of course, with uh, all the uh, work that Kevin Stevens did to celebrate the uh, the Little League champions from 2016. And, you know, I thought, wow, that, that actually was worth 450 yesterday. And then come to find out with your opinion piece, heck, it was worth Nine dollars. That doubled the the value of the paper. Whoa! Better than investing in silver and gold. Well, not quite, but almost. Oh, it's definitely better than investing in Bitcoin. Yes, yes. Hey, Bob. I the reason I'm calling you mentioned, and I was going to call this morning about Salman Rushdie. Uh, I lived in Buffalo uh, years ago. I lived in Buffalo for seven years, and in the summer used to take a ride uh, down to Chautauqua, which is about a, an hour's drive from where I lived. And uh, it's a, such a great place, over 2,000 acres, a, a place where you can go for nine weeks in the summer. They have a uh, an agenda which includes arts, uh, painting, music, opera, discussions, uh, important people coming to town and giving presentations, and that was what was happening with Salman Rushdie when he was attacked. And uh, what what strikes me there, Salman Rushdie, of course, in 1998, wrote a book called The Satanic Verses, and uh, the Muslim community, I should say the fundamentalist Muslim community, including the Ayatollah of Iran, took exception with what he wrote and issued a fatwa for his death. Uh, They, in fact, uh, offered millions of dollars to some good devotee 
that would go out and kill Salman Rushdie. So it started back in 1998. Uh, Rushdie went undercover for 10 years. Uh, assumed a new name, and uh, thought it was all over. The fatwa was never reversed. The fatwa continued. And again, someone out there, uh, probably many uh, devotees out there, uh, would think that they would go to heaven if they killed Salman Rushdie. So it was an awful thing. I I just want to remind uh folks, that don't get overwrought about it being a Muslim that uh, did this. Uh, in uh, 2009, uh, we had a, a Christian adherent uh, go and kill an abortion doctor in Kansas, murdered him at his church, uh, and did that because, according to the murderer's wife, he started to get very interested in reading the Bible. And so it can come at someone from different directions. It might be a fatwa, and there are, in essence, people who interpret the same kind of thing from a different religious perspective. So an awful event out there in our state, in Chautauqua, which is just a glorious institution for learning uh, and arts, and this happened. It, it's it's a monstrous thing, and it should remind us that uh, religion can uh, go and create extremists. What do you think of, speaking of extremists, some of the extremists who have been acting out recently, because apparently they're still mad that their leader is uh, is a loser in terms of elections. I mean, we've got all sorts of things popping up some guy showed up at the capitol early sunday morning for who knows what purpose ultimately according to the authorities he died because he they say shot himself but we've got all these things somebody showed up at an fbi office a few days ago i guess he ultimately died too what is going on in this country ron where people who apparently are upset that their that the previous president did not win a second term and they can't handle that truth, what do you make of that? Where we're headed right now? Well, you know what it reminds me of uh, back during the COVID days when we were all at home, uh, locked up, so to speak. Uh, I was writing essays and I I wrote one about a Japanese soldier. Uh, at the conclusion of the war in August of uh, 1945, this Japanese soldier remained on an island in the Pacific and continued to fight the war. Uh, in fact, he uh, went into various villages, actually killed some people. And this is when the war was over. He um, finally, finally surrendered. Get ready for this. In 1974, 29 years after the war was over, they had to send people to that island and convince him that the war was over. Uh, I've always thought of that in terms of the election. You had uh, you 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 had Trump lose the election, uh, verified by sixty judges, many of them Republicans. But the there are people out there who won't come down from the mountain and realize the war's over. It's over. 
Why are you still with Trump? I think it's because it is a uh, an attack on people's ego that they they tie themselves to Donald Trump. He lost, and they simply can't accept that. Uh, I, I think it's a I think it's a psychological thing that leads people to continue. If you could have voted for Trump in 2016 and then been excused, you said, "Well, after I learned what he's like after four years, well, I'm getting off that ship." But people won't. They're, they're tied to him psychologically. That's the only thing I can say. Well, it's kind of sad. Kind of sad that people can't move on. They're frozen. Frozen in time. I mean, can you imagine if every American who was disappointed with the outcome of a presidential election behaved this way? This country, very little would get done because there would always be, let's face it, every election as a winner and a loser. And so every four years, we'd have to deal with some form of this where uh, disgruntled people... I mean, think about this. Al Gore's followers. What if what if they didn't like the Supreme Court ruling in connection with the 2000 election? What then? But you know what? Because Senator Albert Gore Jr. took the high road and didn't, didn't act like... Oh, it was rigged, or it was stolen, or it was ultimately decided by the Supremes on a five to four, basically partisan vote. I mean, it was certainly, certainly something that Gore could have done. Fortunately, he didn't do it. He behaved in a mature fashion. But imagine going forward, regardless of who the candidates are in twenty twenty four, whoever the losing candidate is, basically won't concede. Well, Bob, going back to Al Gore and George Bush in 2000, um, finally, although that uh, the counting and the hanging chads and such went on for, oh, like, I don't know, 45 days, whatever it was, but finally, uh, as you say, Al Gore took the high road. What he did was he stayed true to the most basic American principle of our continuing government. That's the peaceful transfer of power. If you don't have the peaceful transfer of power, you have a banana republic. And the thing about Trump, which is dastardly now, uh, is uh, not not that, you know, people will say, well, he did this, he did good things, he stopped certain regulations, et cetera. But the thing that is dastardly was he, he has... Uh, set his sights on overturning that peaceful transfer of power. And without the peaceful transfer of power, we don't have the United States as we know it. Yeah, and to your point, you know, who? nothing against banana republics. I just don't want to live in one. <laughs> You're well, right, you know, I'm not afraid of, I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid of dying. Exactly. Same here. And well, the bottom line is what what we need is for people to, to what can I say? Get a grip. Get a grip. Come down from come down from the mountain. The war is over. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And new battles again. I use don't even say battle now because we've got so many people uh, trying to apparently ignite 
another civil war, I shouldn't say battle, there will be new opportunities for us to discuss our issues and elect great candidates. Hey, if you have a great candidate you want to elect in 2024, start working. Maybe she'll win. Well, Bob, you know, one of the things you might do is uh, kind of uh, get it out there to your listeners, uh, particularly Republicans, to uh, ask, hey, who could be the Republican nominee in 2024? Uh, I know we're talking, people are talking about Ron DeSantis, but who else? Who else could be a better choice for our country than Donald Trump? Who's out there? You know, Nikki Haley, uh, John Thune, who? Uh, certainly, uh, we don't have to scrape the bottom of the barrel. Exactly. Let's get a great candidate. Let's make the Republican Party great again. Thank you, Ron. It's 949. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. Let's go to Helen in Binghamton. Good morning. Oh, we missed Helen. Brenda in the Forks. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I enjoyed the weekend, and now I'm excited about this week. I thought last week we had lots of news, and... Just between you and me, this week is going to be even bigger in terms of news, so stay tuned. Yeah, I just heard about, just heard about this explosion there that happened at Verizon. Uh, did you hear about that, Bob? Yeah, Over sounds... Yeah, but, you know, transformer explosions happen every summer. I, I was mentioning to... Uh, <laughs> every summer. Almost every summer. Well, I mean, I'm not saying they happen in Binghamton every summer. They happen in New York City every summer, and... Yeah. You know, it's Transformers what, what explode. Is that? They do. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. Uh, there was one that I covered near the arena. It, it exploded right in the middle of the street on a weekday, and there was all sorts of smoke. It was, it was smoky. But Transformers explode because they don't last forever. Oh, I see. Well, and it I usually happens in summer because summertime the equipment gets taxed. To, to a great extreme. It's unfortunately, um, we've had a lot of hot weather over the last few weeks, and it probably taxed the equipment. Eventually, equipment has to give. Electrical equipment won't last forever. So, well, why do they put them down under the ground? Well, they put some, they put some some transformers are on poles. Transformers That's can right. explode. Look look up in your neighborhood. There's probably a transformer on a pole near your home but some are some are under the street you know i mean especially downtown a lot of uh, electrical installations are done underground keeps them in better shape that you know for big transformers you can't put big transformers easily on poles so they're more protected most of the time from the weather but another thing that can affect transformers that are underground is um corrosion caused by years and years of uh, salt water from uh, winter. So even though here we are in summer, it doesn't mean that it was just something that happened on Saturday that caused the explosion. It's probably years of corrosion from salt water and probably a lot of the um, uh, just stress from hot weather can can really tax electrical equipment. Look what happened, the most famous transformer explosion Ever in Binghamton was at the state office building, but you know what can you do about that? That happened in February, 
And that building was closed for more than 14 years because of all the dibenzofurans and dioxins. But I didn't, I didn't hear about that. The you, county office building. Wow. State office wow. building. That was in 1981. Yeah. It was the most expensive yeah. environmental disaster in the history of the United States. Well, can't they? I mean, so don't they have a certain amount of lifetime then? They should they be, like, checking them? To, I mean... I'm sure they do check them. I'm, I'm sure they they check them occasionally, but it's like like your car. You should get your car maintained on a regular basis, but that still doesn't mean that some some component in your car won't fail. <laughs> right. So yeah. talking about that, yeah, New York State with these laws with emissions, it's a joke. If your check engine light comes on, it won't pass in this state, but you can drive 20 minutes down to Pennsylvania and you can you can pass. Yeah, and it still all goes into the ozone layer. So I, I do want to talk about that now, now that you mentioned it, because there's a lot of people uh, struggling because of these problems, you know, with that. So whoever that asshole was, excuse my language, that did that is really sticking it to people. And it's money revenue is what it is. Well, <clears throat> yeah. So. so life goes on. That's true. <laughs> anyway, appreciate the call. Mark from Binghamton. Good morning. Morning, Bob. <clears throat> Three quick topics, and uh, I know you're pressed for time here coming up on 10. Um, the parking ramp next, to, and we don't have to go into conversation until after 10. Um, the parking ramp at Boscov seems to come to a screeching halt. Not sure why. Um, it just happened to be downtown. Um, I'm not sure why. But And then at the Broome County Landfill, there's a major excavation going on up there. It looks like they're building Route 17 again with all the equipment they have. And apparently they're re-excavating old um, landfill sites and are going to reline them. It looks like quite an expensive uh, operation. I'm not sure if you can get somebody from county to uh, good luck um, trying to explain that. Um, that would be interesting. It's it, probably a good thing. I've been around here since the start of that landfill up there, and uh, they do a good job. It just looks like uh, quite a quite a project. Third yep. one is yep. um, monkey pops. They want to rename monkey pox because the monkeys are offended, and uh, I'm just afraid when the chickens get a hold of this, there's going to be trouble. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll come up with a great name. I know they have experts working on it. I'm told. So hopefully, I think they should rename every disease because I'm sure by now somebody's offended about the name of every disease. So I think the federal government working with the World Health Organization should come up with new names for all diseases and have them take effect January 1st. Just create additional chaos and confusion in an already strange world 956 more calls coming up on this monday morning on news radio wnbf WNBF, 
Yes, they are weird, aren't they? Uh, B-52s, I was uh, surprised to see a story that says uh, 43 years after their first album, the band that brought the world rock Lobster and Love Shack is starting a tour for the final time. Say it ain't so, Joe. But uh, B-52s apparently have a farewell tour that is uh, going to start soon. According to the New York Times, that song you just heard was played on Saturday Night Live in January 1980. So that's the first time most people heard it, 42 and a half years ago. According to the Times, a story by Rob Tannenbaum, it was a lightning strike moment for a generation of young misfits and oddballs. <laughs> I like that. A generation of young misfits and oddballs is how it's described as, uh, well, basically, the <laughs> rock lobster on Saturday Night Live. Well,. Rob Tannenbaum is entitled to his take on it, of course. Anyway, they're going to uh, have their farewell tour. Who knows? Maybe they'll show up in Binghamton in the next few months. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Good morning. It's 71 degrees at 10.04. The forecast for today, partly sunny, a 50% chance of scattered showers, maybe some afternoon thunderstorm activity, and a high near 80. Emergency services officials in the region agree an explosion in downtown Binghamton on Saturday had the potential to be a horrific event. A high amperage transformer in a utility vault in the basement of the Verizon building on Henry Street blew shortly before 2.30 p.m., sending black smoke billowing up through the sidewalk grates. Lights blinked downtown, and some of the immediate vicinity reported some power outages briefly. In spite of the dangers from electricity, potential for fire, and deadly gases. There were no injuries and damage was relatively minor in the building. Henry Street was blocked off in the area for a while. The authorities have not given a reason why they believe the 12,000 volt heavy amperage transformer blew, sending a heavy solid metal cap shooting across the vault. In a Facebook post, Binghamton Fire Department commented it was lucky no one was walking on the sidewalk above on Saturday afternoon when that transformer exploded. Shenango County Sheriff's officials are investigating a motorcycle crash that has sent the driver to the hospital. Authorities say that crash happened on State Route 7 in Afton near Blakesley and Nurse Hollow Road at around 2.30 p.m. on Sunday. Officials say the bike collided with a passenger vehicle and the driver of that car was not injured. The motorcyclist was airlifted to Wilson Hospital in Johnson City, their condition unknown. Few details are available, including the person's name. Two searches for drugs in the city of Binghamton have netted dozens of grams of fentanyl, hundreds of dollars in drug sale proceeds, and two arrests. Members of the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force reported around 3.30 on Thursday afternoon. They raided an apartment at 65 Schubert Street on the west side. Authorities say they seized 60.27 grams of fentanyl from the apartment, along with $1,385 in suspected drug sale proceeds. 
Police also say they found drug packaging materials in the apartment of 38-year-old Orlando Torres. Around two hours later, SIU raided an apartment at 216 Court Street. That's at the corner of Rutherford Street and arrested 23-year-old Kahim Ward. Officers say their search turned up 15 grams of fentanyl packaged for individual sale, $485 in suspected narcotic sale proceeds, and drug packaging material. Investigators say they also found out that Ward was a fugitive from justice in Pennsylvania for charges related to a theft. Torres is charged with two felony counts of criminal possession of a controlled substance and two misdemeanor counts of criminally using drug paraphernalia. Ward is charged with four felony counts of criminal possession of a controlled substance and two misdemeanor counts of criminally using drug paraphernalia. Both were sent to the Broome County Correctional Facility. WMBF Newstime 1007. New York has amended a series of state laws to remove the word inmate and replace it with incarcerated person when referring to people serving time in prison. The changes signed into law last week by Governor Kathy Hochul are intended to reduce the stigma of being in jail. Prison reform advocates have said the term inmate has a dehumanizing effect. Republicans ridiculed the measure as coddling criminals. The change is the latest in state legislature's history of amending terms in state law that have been seen as outdated or offensive. Last month, Hochul signed legislation replacing the term mentally retarded with developmentally disabled in state law. Early in-person voting has started in New York's congressional primaries. This is the final field, well, helps out the final field for the competitive contest for the general elections in November. It may be seen as an early test of where the Democrats and Republicans stand. Voters in two parts of New York, in the southern tier and western New York, are also picking new members of Congress in special elections. They're replacing U.S. House members Tom Reed and now Lieutenant Governor Antonio Delgado, both of whom resigned. A limited number of polling places are open through August 21st for early voting. And, of course, the primary day itself is August 23rd. A judge in a case brought by Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf's administration against three counties that are not reporting mail-in ballots lacking handwritten dates on their return envelopes says she will rule as quickly as possible. Commonwealth Court Judge Renee Cohn-Jubliere presided over an online conference on Friday on the litigation brought by the Department of State. The agency is suing three Republican-majority counties over about 800 mail-in ballots from the May primary. The counties argue the ballots should not have been counted because of the legal requirement for the exterior envelope dates. The dispute has stalled certification of Pennsylvania statewide results of the primary for governor and U.S. Senate. WMBF News Time, 10.09. For fifth. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast, partly sunny today, a 50% chance of scattered showers. Afternoon thunderstorms are also possible in a high near 80. Tonight, mostly cloudy, a slight chance of isolated showers and thunderstorms. And a low in the upper 50s, partly sunny tomorrow after some patchy fog in the morning. A slight chance of showers and afternoon thunderstorms and a high again near 80. Wednesday, mostly sunny. A 40% chance of showers and thunderstorms, mainly in the afternoon, high in the low 80s. Thursday, mostly sunny, high in the low 80s, and Friday, sunny, a high in the mid-80s. 
Currently at 71 in Binghamton. It's 10-11 where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290 WMBF. I'm Bob Joseph. Nothing is top secret about this show. It's all out in the open, very transparent for you on WNBF. Six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety, and you could let it ride if you call in on WNBF on this Monday morning. We'll take as many calls as I deem appropriate. Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name and where you're calling from? Good morning, there, Bob. It's it's uh, Dave from Vestal. Yeah, yeah. How's it going? Super. Good. Sue Good. Per. Good. Hey, I, I was listening to you and Ron there. Uh, pretty interesting. Um, I, I'd like to answer a couple questions that you guys uh, brought up. Uh, first of all, um, do you remember Obama and then Biden afterwards announcing that we are going to fundamentally transform this country? Okay. But for, I'd like to ask you, what do you think they meant by that? I don't know. I I have know. I have never spoken with either of them. You know, I I know as much about it as you do. Okay, so then we're only supposed to surmise because evidently they never really put it out in the words. It's only being done by their actions, seeing where they want to lead us. So we have to go by that, correct? I think they've done great work. I think uh, President Obama, his eight years. In the White House, demonstrated uh, a, a good handle on the way government ought to be run. Uh, certainly, the his, um, the guy who followed him uh, had trouble understanding mm-hmm. the concept. But that's you know, not, not everybody can be prepared. I mean, to be fair, Mr. Obama had been elected previously. The guy who followed him had been elected to nothing. He was. Um, uh, guy from Queens who was a real estate developer. So it, we shouldn't be necessarily that surprised that he was unsuccessful. Why do you think Trump won? I don't know. Who, who did he run against? He ran against Hillary Rodham Clinton. She was, uh, I believe, most people regarded her, even some of her supporters, as an imperfect candidate. Not that Donald Trump was more perfect. He was just... I guess, in the eyes of the voters who voted in November 2016, he might have been more likable, possibly, than uh, Hillary Clinton? No. Uh, please let me enlighten you, Bob. Uh, he promised to fight the swamp. Now, that th- this is going to answer the question Ron had, where who out there, what Republican would be good to run in the primary and possibly be president? The answer there isn't anybody. There isn't anybody that could hold a candle to Trump as far as that goes. We need somebody. No, we would, wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, excuse me for interrupting. I, I was trying not yeah. to interrupt, but you're right. Nobody yeah. can hold a, a candle to Donald Trump when it, calls to, it comes to bizarre, unpredictable, and wacky behavior. That's what the nation was treated to for four years, and I think many Americans, including some Republicans, got tired of it. 
Okay, that's what you think. But, Bob, the point is he needs to be in office because there is no one else. Well, they'll fight the fight. And you know, Bob, you brought up Banana Republic. Well, you don't want to live in one? You're almost there now. That was funny when you said that. I'm not, I'm not in a Banana Republic. They even had something in the newspaper yesterday. Let me see if I can find it. Right now, it's it's from the newspaper yesterday, Rex Hupke wrote in the Press and Sun Bulletin, and he's a columnist for USA Today. Uh, the headline is, this is not a banana republic, and Trump fans who say so know better. So that was in the paper on Sunday, right here in Binghamton. I didn't say we were. I said, but we're close. But we're heading there. So let, let me ask you, what would you rather do? Would you rather live under a banana republic or... Um, somewhat communist government. Which one would you choose? Neither, right? That's true. I want to live in a great, great country where people can express their views and where uh, the leader of the country won't be acting as as though he was never taught right from wrong. A country where the leader won't be tweeting mean things and won't be insulting people with disabilities that's my kind of country let's let's live in the united states where the leader respects people of all abilities all 330 million of us one thing we're not going to do, Bob, because we won't sit still for leading us on the road to socialism, neo-Marxism, communism. None of that's going to play. I don't care how hard they push all this. So it's not going to happen because if they think we're going to live in this country the way they want us to live, then you might as well start the war now, Bob. Start it tomorrow. Get out in the streets tomorrow because it's no, we're not, and we're not going to start any wars. You know, starting wars is is probably about the dumbest thing that anybody can suggest at this point. Starting a war is ridiculous. And for anyone who even jokes about it, there should be no joking about starting wars. This is very serious. We already have people who have um, done some really spectacularly bizarre things in just the last few weeks. And I'm under the impression it's because... They've been misled by the former president, at least to an extent. That's why they're fighting so hard to keep him out, Bob. He, he, he's going to destroy the good old boys club. You know this one. Well, if he was going to destroy the good old boys club, he had four years to do it, and he didn't do it. If anything, he, he may have uh, reallocated some of the spoils you know, to enrich himself, enrich his family, enrich people who supported him. But as far as getting rid of all, all the things where, where people in power are able to dole out favors to themselves and their friends, he didn't end that. If he was going to end it, he had four years to do it. He didn't do it. So, Bob, you, you really believe that he became president and one of his goals, and even if it, if it wasn't a goal, he decided he wanted to enrich himself while he was in the office. You really I, think that? It appears that way. I mean, he he charged Donald Trump and his properties charged thousands, maybe millions of dollars to federal agents when they had to stay there to protect him. Every time he went to golf at one of his properties, the federal government got charged. Um, some might say excessive fees. There was no there's no excuse for charging federal agents who were providing security to the president. 
There were a lot of things that happened during those four years that ought to be closely investigated. Okay, so you're saying he sh- he shouldn't charge anybody. Okay. No, he shouldn't charge anybody. If the FBI or Secret Service or whoever had to be there because he was, because he wouldn't stay at the White House, because he wanted to golf so much, he should have paid for his own protection. But he didn't. So, you know, I again, I, I think the Washington Post at one point said it amounted to millions of dollars that uh, Trump properties wound up charging the federal government while Donald Trump was president. How many presidents have donated their salaries to charity? doesn't make any difference in the end if it's true that his properties charge money for security details and for other things that money they wouldn't have gotten if if he wasn't president. He He more than made up for whatever he... Uh, ostensibly didn't get paid. I think he was entitled to maybe $400,000 a year. He should have taken the money and not charged the um, Secret Service and anybody else who were part of his security detail. It was just inappropriate. He should have stayed in the White House and not gone to his own properties to where they could make extra money because he was there. Well, if he's greedy, he wanted to enrich himself, then he should have did both, huh? Charge and taken his salary. Right. Hmm? Donald Trump is entitled to do whatever he wants, apparently. That's what he thinks. I Obviously, he never asked me for advice. Okay, well. No, I, I, I mean, I, I think the nation was treated to four years of Donald Trump. I think we saw what he could do and what he couldn't do. And I, I'm guessing the majority of Americans in November 2024 will decide that we don't need another four years of that. But I could be wrong. And it, I will say this. If I'm wrong and the American public votes for Donald Trump for four more years, I'll admit that I, I didn't see that coming. You don't think it's possible, huh? I didn't say that. No, in fact, what I just said indicates I do think it's possible, because I said that if it happens, I'll admit I was wrong. So I'm acknowledging the possibility of it. I'm not saying I'm looking forward to it, but if it turns out I'm wrong, and the American people in November 2024 vote to rehire him after they fired him four years earlier, I'll admit I was wrong. Well, I would say, Bob, it's willing to put up with his personality that he, as long as he's going to stop our road to ruins. But he didn't do it in the first four years, so he'll have only, if, that's a huge if, but say if he is elected by the American voters in November 2024, again, he'll have only four years. He couldn't get the job done in his initial term, so why do you think he'll get it done if he won a second term, because the, the the progressive the liberal progressives that have four more years to to ruin the country some more, Bob, we don't want to live this way. You know, evidently they think. Why don't they do a poll? Why don't they Why don't they put that as part of voting? Do you want to live under socialism? It's going to be like ninety percent of the country is going to say no. 
98% of the country might say no. We're not in danger of going over to a socialist system in this country. There are a few lawmakers in Congress who have socialist views. They're in the minority. They're very, very few. They have very little power. This nation is not moving towards socialism. Bernie voters. Again, Bernie voters account for a very, very, very small percentage of the electorate. This nation is not moving towards socialism. It's 1024 at WNBF. Kevin in Johnson City. Good morning. Yeah, Bob, I just wanted to let you know that it cost Joe Biden basically, I mean, the taxpayers about $3 million every weekend he goes home to Delaware. So if Donald Trump had, a, you know, wanted to be a little bit reimbursed, maybe we should be reimbursed from Joe Biden for going home on vacation to Delaware. Now, the difference between Biden and Trump is Biden isn't charging the taxpayers to have the, the security details stay at a Biden property. So Trump was enriching himself and his enterprises while he was president because he almost always was staying at a place that he owned. So ultimately, the federal government was paying money for their security details, the security uh, staffers, to stay at a Trump property. So you're right, the uh, travels of any president, when they travel back home wherever they consider home, Florida or Delaware, does cost money, but Biden is not making money off his trips when he returns to Delaware. Maybe that's true, but... Well, not maybe that's true. Of course it's true. How could it not be true? Okay, so that's true, but it's still ridiculous that he has to go home every weekend and cost us that kind of money. Then why didn't you complain about it when Donald Trump was doing it? Because I didn't, uh, well, I didn't like that either. I don't like any of these dudes doing that stuff, you know? It's ridiculous. Well, okay, well, then you're consistent. But, yeah. you know, I, I would like to see um, presidents spend more time in Washington. Not all time. I think they deserve Maybe maybe one weekend a month they should go back home or whatever. And then maybe a, a week or two in summer, have a vacation. But, you know, stay stay at the White House. I would love staying at the White House. If I if I had the the luck and the popularity to be elected president, I'd try to stay as many nights as possible at the White House. I think it'd be a privilege. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And uh that up at Saldown Rushby guy, you know what, what? What? What's he so important about? He's one of the most important people in the world. He's an author, and uh, a lot of people respected what he wrote. But a lot of people—I shouldn't say a lot of people—some people were very upset by what he wrote, and some people were so upset that they would wish something bad to happen to him. So he's he's very important. He's been regarded as uh, a very important voice in the world for decades. And so it's, a, it's a, a terrible shame that somebody attacked him right here in New York State. Yeah, 
Well, maybe so, but you know. Well, it is. I mean, don't don't minimize it. I mean, anybody, who, anyone who's an author who gets attacked because of something he or she wrote, that's terrible. Maybe in your view, I guess, you know. Well, not in your view? You don't agree that if somebody writes something that they shouldn't they shouldn't be uh, stabbed for it? Uh, it could be a lie, you know. Hey, could be an opinion. His opinion. Some people disagree with what he wrote. Doesn't mean he should be harmed. Well... That might be true too. I guess. Yeah. You know? I mean, think. About, I mean, in all seriousness. I mean, don't don't minimize uh, an attack that could have been fatal. I guess he's going to survive, but he's never going to fully recover. It sounds as though he'll lose an eye, and who knows if he'll ever breathe well again. I mean, he, he was very very badly hurt. Just because you don't necessarily, just because you don't necessarily agree with anything he's written. I mean, in this country, people should be protected to be able to write what they want or even say what they want without fear of being killed, being assassinated. I suppose. Yeah, that's what we—that's part of what we stand for, I think, as a free country. Yeah. I think we try. I think, again, I, I'm sure there are a lot of people who don't even know that much about Salman Rushdie and... Um, we'll never read anything he's written, which is fine. That's a that's a choice, but we still should support him and and be alarmed that that somebody would try to kill him. Now, what goes on in those parts of the world is like unknown to me. You know, I, I wouldn't want to live over there. All I know is that every morning I wake up, I'm the luckiest man in the world to be living in this country and being born here. Yeah, so I, I feel I I feel the same way. I feel blessed that I was born here in Binghamton, and blessed that I can be on this radio program every morning, and then I can go out and have the freedom to ask questions, to cover news in Binghamton. So I I feel very fortunate. I appreciate your call. No problem. Hi, hi to Bob from Vestal. All right, <laughs> thank you, have Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. It's ten thirty. What do you have to say? 607-772-1290 is the number. You can also email the program, bob at wnbf.com. If you're new to the program, we do this every morning from 9 to noon. It's on 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. We have a 1032-607-772-1290 on a Monday morning with Bob Joseph. Back to the phones, it's Matt in Binghamton, also known as former Mayor Matthew Ryan. Good morning. Hi, Bob. How you doing? Good. Hey, um, I just see a lot of people throw away around the words uh, socialism and communism, and I, I just wonder... Uh, you know, the, theory, the definition of socialism is like a political and economic theory of 
social organization which advocates that the means of production, distribution, and exchange should be owned or regulated by the community as a whole. Now, that, you know, that's pretty benign, and, and that means community would control everything that happened to it. But we certainly are not even close to that, and the people who are afraid of it seem to be afraid of giving themselves power. I'm, uh, look, I'm not advocating for socialism, but it, like I said, social, social democracies are the ones that realize that are capitalistic societies that realize that if they don't, that all things are not equal, all people are not equal, that if we don't um, help those in, in need, those people who have, um, you know, phys physical issues, all, all, all sorts of things, if you don't help them, then your society will be, will have a upper class and eventually a lower class. And I don't think most people think that's fair, and I think that's why people are so angry in this country. The people on the right seem so angry, and I don't blame them because for 40 more, more than 40 years since Ronald Reagan got rid of, you know, pretty much was the end of the unions and, and all that, uh, or, you know, severely weakened the unions, then people in the middle classes uh, lost the American dream. And now people uh, can't even, young people can't even buy a house. Uh, it's it's bad. I agree that. But it's not because we're anywhere near socialism. It's because we're near the opposite end where everything is owned by co corporations. Everything is owned by a few, the richest people. And they don't want to give a, they don't care about, they don't want to be uh, bothered with uh, taking care of those who might, um, or making sure that the playing field is even. And that's why we go, why people talk about socialism, as I've said a number of times. It seems to me that that's why people spout social socialism-type leanings, because they realize how far out of whack we have become. And that's what happens with capitalism when it's controlled by, the, you know, only the richest people. I mean, we all know about uh, all these people who write the legislation for Republicans, all the people who, um, they're all rich people. We all know that they're the ones that want um, politicians to be able to spend as much money, or I mean corporations and individuals to spend as much money as they want on candidates, even though they don't even have to tell the American people until after the elections who, who they are, they, because they know that money controls everything in this country. So if you're going to talk about socialism, let's talk about why it's bad if um, we have more of the community controlling things. I think most people would say, in fact, the, the most, you know, companies that people really like are those ones that have more community control, that uh, have the, you know, for instance, the Green Bay Packers in the world of professional football. I think a lot of people think that's a great model. Uh, the people of the city own the, own the team. You know, and, and so why, and, and a lot of people who work for companies who are owned by the people who, who uh, you know, run and own the companies, those are the companies that get accolades for how they treat their workers and stuff. So that's all we're talking about here is trying to get power back into the hands of those people who have been left behind, those people who have hadn't, hadn't 
been uh, have been taken out of the American dream for uh, going on four decades now. And, oh, well, and, and, by the way, while I have you on the line, one of the listeners from Endicott, Shannon, wrote about Banana Republic. She said it seems no one knows what one really is, and so she says we should read the definition on, right. on the air. In political science, the term banana republic describes a politically unstable country with an economy dependent on the export of natural resources. Um, and again, it's uh, right. typically in the past it was being used by uh, a company to, or people say, I think at first about Honduras and some of the neighboring right. countries because they were being exploited by U.S. corporations like Chiquita. Right. They were operating exactly. under a different company, but it was bananas. Typically, a banana right. republic has a society of extremely stratified social classes and, again, nothing, nothing like the United States of America. For people not familiar with the Banana Republic, this isn't even close. And it will never, never describe this great country. Exactly. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Matthew Ryan, uh, former mayor of Binghamton. And this is not a Banana Republic. And for those of you who work at the Banana Republic store, uh, we congratulate you and we, of course, wish you success. It's totally different the clothing store, Banana Republic, is totally different from what we're talking about. Banana Republic, the store, is an upscale clothing and accessories retailer owned by The Gap. So there. <laughs> but, yeah, we're not a Banana Republic. And as mentioned in Sunday's newspaper, one of the columnists even wrote that as Something to the effect: This is not going to be a banana republic. It's not. Don't be, don't be confused. Don't be alarmed. This country, this country, is in, despite the challenges, this country is in remarkably good shape. We do have challenges, and we do have people, including some, who mysteriously want to sow the seeds of division. For their own selfish reasons. If that's what you want, you're listening to the wrong program. We're not here sowing seeds of division. We're here just talking about ways to get past some of the challenges we face now and then move forward to greater prosperity for everybody. And happiness, too. Don't forget happiness. 607-772-1290 is the number. Email address is bob at wnbf.com. Forty-three WNBF. Joan from Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Oh, hi there. Hi there. I heard you talking about all the money being spent on uh, Trump when he goes to his golf courses. I guess. And I remember. Well, uh, fortunately, not anymore. Well, I guess they have to pay a little bit because even as a former president, he receives lifetime security. So we're probably still paying millions of dollars a year for his security. But I think that's. 
it's well, a good investment as long as long as we don't have to pay his private properties. But you know, I'm I'm all in favor of spending what it takes to protect the former president. I'm not sure that him staying at his properties was uh, an advantage because usually what ends up happening is if you have a celebrity come in and, and into any place, then you know you can't rent the rest of the rooms, and you know it's the uh, security's all over the place. And well, I'm sure they made it up. They made it up by charging the federal government what they couldn't couldn't pay under normal circumstances. So I'm sure they probably came out ahead. Are you sure of that? Could you prove that? I mean, you're, you always spout these, I'm sure, but are you sure? No, I can't prove it, but probably. Knowing, knowing the way the Trump organization operates, it'd be shocking if they uh, lost any money on the thing. But you're right. I don't have access. Here you go again. Well, Trump organization. Oh, sure. Trump organization. If the Trump organization wants to open its books to let us know how much money they raked in, during the time he was president, then we would know, wouldn't we, Joan? Yeah, but you know that uh, that uh, zero to twenty five thousand uh, income are audited five times more than any other group. Any other group, five times. Right, because because there because there are more people in that group. Let's face it, there are more people in that group than there are billionaires. So it makes sense that more of them would be audited but federal government doesn't really target them because even if they found uh tax laws violated it would mean a net gain uh almost inconsequential to the federal government the federal government will be more likely to audit people who are very wealthy because then if they find laws were broken or taxes were not completely paid then They'll have to pay back the taxes they didn't pay and a penalty. So the federal government has incentive to go after the wealthier people. No, they don't, because they're going to show up with a ton of accountants and a ton of lawyers and tie up people forever and ever. They, they, you know, they go after the little guy who's going to say, yeah, I'll settle because I don't have time to go over there and plead my case. You know, just put up my hands and make me a deal. You know, they they go after the easy targets. Let's face it, guys. Wouldn't you go after the easy targets? That's why they need more IRS agents because, they you know, going after the easy targets, they're going to make a lot more money. They, you know, I, you know, I get audited. You throw up your hands and you say, geez, I don't have time for this, you know, to spend a year arguing with the government over, you know, whatever, you know, give me a number. And if I can afford it, I'll pay it. You know, I mean, let's, let's face it, guys. It's like the parking ticket. You know, do you want to go down and argue? Well, I don't think I, or the speeding, I think I was only going like, you know, four and a half miles over. That's what my speedometer said. You're going to go and yeah. argue with Well, it. obviously most people don't, but if you get pulled over and you have lots of money, they said you're going 119 miles an hour, you fight it, and then you work out a deal. So you get effectively well, a, a slap on the wrist. I, I know what you're talking about. The people with money always hire the best attorneys. Right, they got money to fire it. But anyway, the reason I called was good old Hunter Biden, I heard. He's staying in a Malibu uh, state down there at $30,000 rent a month with, uh, you know, all the security type of thing, because obviously they don't want anybody interviewing him on his uh, 
you know, balances with bringing Chinese and all kinds of things into his uh, vice president father, you know, when that was going on and all the money they were making back then. You know, dad getting 10% or whatever and visits by the Chinese with Hunter Biden at uh, the White House going in and out and, you know, all that kind of thing. So they've got him under wraps because, you know, if he co- his story comes out in, you know, big open, big letters, then there's going to be a big problem about who's who's using the what for what to make money. Hello? Yeah, that would be a big problem. Yeah, so they got him 30000 Just think, we're paying $30,000 so he can pay a month rent so he can stay in a Malibu, plus the, social, uh, the security thing, of course. I mean, that's not that. That's just the rent. And who owns that estate? Maybe, you know, if you want to speculate, maybe it's one of, uh, you know, Biden's friends. Or maybe even Biden owns it. Who knows? You know, I mean, uh, one of don't believe, I don't believe Biden owns it. Or it could be it. the Chinese, because the Chinese are buying up a ton of real estate in the United States, could it, so it could be one of the Chinese guys of the, you know, from the state. Tend to doubt it, but nothing, yeah, well, nothing, nothing here, is right? be, nothing is beyond the realm. Oh, nothing well. is beyond the realm of possibility. Hopefully, hopefully, though, they'll uh, get this thing involving Mr. Trump get that resolved because you know, if <laughs> the thing is, if he gets arrested. A lot of people are going to be so disappointed. You know, a lot of people put a lot of trust in him. And I, I heard I think, that the gov- a government packed those boxes. He didn't pack them. No, he, I, uh, no I, I'm sure that Donald Trump doesn't sit around packing boxes. Uh, as far as whether the government packed the boxes, maybe the government did. doesn't seem to me the government gave him permission to take some documents that were labeled at the very, very highest level of uh, security and sensitivity, take them outside the secure facility. So, you know, that alone has to be explained, and I think the sooner that he explains it, the better off we will be. He packed them. doesn't matter who packed them. Nobody said he should take them. You don't take super-secure documents outside the super-secure facility. Documents like that have to be kept under tight guard, under total supervision. They should not be at some hotel next to the pool. You can't do that. You just can't do that. He didn't take them. Well, then how did they get there? His records. How did, how did those records get from the White House down, down to his house in Florida? How did that happen? The government took them down there. Ah. I doubt it, but we'll see. We'll see. As I say, I I don't believe for a minute that the government said he could take those secure documents out of a secure facility and you can keep them down here next to the pool in your hotel and secure them only with a padlock. Plus, the president can declassify... No. No, the president, the president can't just declassify something because he wants to take it with him out of the White House. It doesn't work that way. It's still very sensitive document. He can say, oh, presto, changeo, it's declassified. Just because he says it doesn't mean it's legal for him to have those outside a secure facility. And that's the problem that 
I think he faces. He's going to have to offer some sort of legitimate explanation why he had those documents where they were. It's just, it's not acceptable. WNBF 1051, good morning. Uh, You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hello. Hey, what's up? I'm up. All right. Beverly, Beverly from the town of Dickinson, good morning. What's on your mind? Well, I can't figure out something. Uh, how can uh, Mr. Como sue New York State for his fees that, that he used for lawyers? He's making an assertion that he's entitled to a representation paid by the people because the things that he's accused of doing are said to have happened while he was on the job. That's a brief summary. That's why he thinks he's entitled to um, a public defender. Oh, because... But what I can't understand is is they dropped some of that. Well, it's complicated. You know, and I... At this stage, I don't know if uh, Andrew Cuomo will wind up being prosecuted for anything, but I guess it's his right to try to get reimbursed. I I guess if it was me, I guess I would try to see if I could get my money back. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying he will, but what the heck? Like they say, if you don't ask, right? Um, they might still say no, but it doesn't hurt to ask. True, true. You know, that guy was talking about the IRS the other day. You know, they they have many, they have many, many IRS people, but they're subcontract. Well, that's true. Subcontractors do work for the government all the time. Yeah, but my daughter said that, my daughter said that people filled their taxes out in January and they still haven't gotten them back again. I know. I'm waiting for my they refund. They haven't gotten a refund. I know. I'm waiting for my refund. That's why I hope they hire these additional people soon so they can process my return and I can get my money. Yeah, well, you, you know, the only way you can do that is if you go to one of these old state example, uh, Jackson who Hewitt. And stuff. As long as you got an account, you can get it within uh, so many days in your account. Yeah, you but, but I was going to say, there's a fee attached to it because it's effectively a loan. They're advancing you the money from your refund, but they don't do it for free. Yeah. All I want is my refund. Is that too much to ask? Yeah. Uh, uh, how about that? How about that Liza Spencer? What are they doing for her? Well, according to the police, they're continuing to investigate her death. Yeah, yeah, but haven't they done anything, you know, like build a little monument for her or anything like that? No, they haven't. No, I think they should rename the school. They should rename the school. Uh, um, East Middle School should be named in her memory. That's right. Thank you. That's what I was thinking. Call it the Eliza Spencer Memorial School over on uh, Robinson Street. You know, I went to Calvin College back in the 50s, 
and that school's still standing there. Yeah, I know. I was over there uh, about a week ago. Didn't look like they had done much. You know, it's no wonder they're talking no. about. They're talking about on one floor, I think. Right. They're talking about closing down some city elementary schools, and it's no wonder. It looks like they haven't been maintaining them very well. Well, but about that Wilson school, Woodward Wilson, my my God, my uh, my 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 sister and my two brothers went there. You know, when they lived on Front Street. You know, you know, at one time. Uh, they went there. God, that school must be over a hundred years old. My kids, my oldest daughter, went there. Well, it looks kind of old. I've I've been over there. It looks on the old side to me. Junior and stuff like that. That was the school. You know, uh, can you go in and visit sometime, like uh, like in the summer? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they would allow that. They might, but you'd have to call the school district first to see if you could make arrangements. Beverly, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. We've got more calls coming up. This is the Monday episode as we start a brand new week. Bob Joseph with you on News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. Your.com slash panda. This is a limited offer only available to radio listeners at bamboohr.com slash panda. That's bamboohr.com slash panda. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF Binghamton, 1290 AM, 92.1 FM. It's 11 o'clock. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. Well, it looks like a pretty decent string of weather through about at least midweek. Partly sunny skies, temperatures around 80. About the greatest chance of precipitation, it looks like, is for today. Maybe a 50-50 shot of an afternoon thunderstorm. A very scary and potentially deadly situation in downtown Binghamton over the weekend has remarkably ended with some rattled nerves, but no injuries and relatively minor damage to a building. According to reports on the City of Binghamton Fire Department Facebook page, firefighters responded to the Verizon building at 64 Henry Street, just yards from the downtown Binghamton Post Office and the Intermodal Transportation Bus Hub at around 2.23 p.m. Saturday for a report of an explosion fire and found heavy black smoke rising from the sidewalk grates. The firefighters conducted searches of the Verizon and neighboring buildings looking for possible victims, fire extension, possible gas leaks, or buildup of carbon monoxide. Authorities found the blast apparently happened in a utilities vault in the basement. Firefighters stood by with specialized materials and equipment as New York State Electric and Gas crews worked prepared to rescue the NYSEG crews from the confined space if they ran into trouble. NYSEG found a 12,000-volt heavy amperage transformer had blown hurling a thick metal cover plate across the utility vault. Fire officials commented it was lucky there were no pedestrians on the sidewalk at the time of the blast. That block was closed for several hours. Several businesses in surrounding areas reported brief power interruption or at least lights flickering. Early in-person voting is starting in New York's congressional party primaries. This will set the final field for a slew of competitive contests in the general election this autumn and is an early test of where the Democratic and Republican parties seem to be headed. 
Voters in two parts of the state, in the southern tier and western New York, are also picking new members of Congress in special elections to replace U.S. House members Tom Reed and now Lieutenant Governor Antonio Delgado, who resigned. A limited number of polling places are open for early voting through August 21st. The final day of the primary, of course, is the in-person balloting on August 23rd. Pennsylvania Senate candidate John Fetterman is acknowledging he's lucky to be alive as he officially returns to the campaign trail. The Democrats been sidelined for more than 90 days after suffering a stroke that threatened the current Pennsylvania lieutenant governor's life and political strength in one of the nation's premier U.S. Senate contests. Fetterman spoke Friday for almost 11 minutes, haltingly at times, as he addressed several hundred voters packed inside a convention center in Erie. The 52-year-old lieutenant governor said, quote, tonight for me, it's about being grateful, just grateful. Three months ago, my life could have ended. Republican opponent celebrity heart doctor Mehmet Oz has railed against Fetterman's prolonged absence throughout the summer. As part of an effort to keep illegal drugs and other contraband out of New York prisons, the state is taking away one of the few pleasures of life behind bars. It will no longer let people send inmates care packages from home. Under the new policy, which the state began phasing in last month, friends and family are not allowed to deliver packages in person during prison visits. They also will not be allowed to mailboxes of goodies unless those come directly from third-party vendors, not homemade. While the rule won't stop prisoners from getting things that can be ordered online, like candy bars or chips, they will lose access to foods like home-cooked meals or grandma's cookies. New York had been one of the few states in the nation that still allowed families to send packages to inmates from home. The rule is already in effect in the majority of state prisons around the country. Starting this month, the state prison system is also testing a program where inmates will be blocked from getting most letters sent on paper Instead, incoming letters will be scanned by computer and prisoners will get copies. The change is being made to try to head off a trend of people soaking letters in drugs to try to get them past the authorities. And New York has amended a series of state laws to remove the word inmate and replace it with incarcerated person when referring to people in jail. Prison reform advocates have said the term inmate has a dehumanizing effect. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast... Partly sunny with a chance of afternoon showers pretty much every day straight through Thursday. Maybe a thunderstorm as well. Daytime highs around 80 through Thursday. Few clouds on the overnights with patchy fog toward morning. Overnight lows generally in the upper 50s. Then on Friday, sunshine high getting into the upper 80s. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290 WMBF. Bob Joseph with you on a Monday morning. Our number is 607-772-1290. Feel free to call in, or if you wish, use email, bob at wmbf.com. We'd love to hear from you this morning. It's interesting that they no longer are holding inmates at the prison. 
incarcerated persons. So, uh, yet another change, another change for you to consider. Governor Hochul, they say, signed it into law, so that way there will be less of a stigma. So if you know someone who used to be an inmate, please refer to that person as uh, someone who once was incarcerated. It's tough keeping track of all the changes, but we do our best. Coming up on the program, we'll talk about, oh, what's going to happen this week with Donald Trump. Hopefully nothing too serious. Hopefully he'll be able to answer a few questions and allay some of our concerns, try to explain why he had all that stuff. <laughs> this uh, resort in Florida, apparently next to the pool, secured with a padlock. Probably one of those master locks. Remember when you were in school? You had to go buy a new lock just in time for the school year? Yep. I think they were two ninety nine. Liz Cheney is facing uh, a difficult election in Wyoming. Many people believe she is not going to prevail in the Republican primary because of her position with respect to Donald Trump. Now, interestingly, and I, until just this morning, didn't really know what her dad was saying about all this, about her position regarding Donald Trump and the lies regarding the 2022 election, 2020 election, excuse me. Um, You know, it was rigged and it was stolen, all that stuff. I thought, well, certainly former Vice President Dick Cheney, whose daughter is Liz Cheney, certainly he has something to say. Well, um, I just happened to notice this morning, in fact, he does say something. And let's listen to what Dick Cheney, a Republican, by the way, from Wyoming, has to say regarding Donald Trump and also regarding his daughter, Liz Liz Cheney, who, as you may have heard, was deeply involved in the January 6th investigation. In our nation's 246-year history, there has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. He tried... Wait a second. Let's play that back because that sounds that sounds like a bold declaration coming from Dick Cheney. Remember what Dick Cheney did that one time when he was out hunting with his friend? Let's listen to what he said. In our nation's 246-year history, there has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. Um, okay, so that's what Richard Cheney former vice president and current Republican, has to say about the 45th president of the United States. Let's hear what else he says. And by the way, this is from a commercial that apparently is running in Wyoming supporting Liz Cheney's re-election campaign. He tried to steal the last election using lies and violence to keep himself in power after the voters had rejected him. He is a coward. A real man wouldn't lie to his supporters. He lost his election, and he lost big. I know it, he knows it, and deep down, I think most Republicans know it. Lynn and I are so proud of Liz for standing up for the truth, doing what's right, 
honoring her oath to the Constitution when so many in our party are too scared to do so. Remember, this is a Republican. Nobody ever doubted Dick Cheney's credentials as a member of the GOP, the grand old party. If ever there was Mr. Republican, it was Vice President Cheney. Let's listen to what else he said in this commercial that ostensibly is supporting his daughter, Liz. Liz is fearless. She never backs down from a fight. There is nothing more important she will ever do and lead the effort to make sure Donald Trump is never again near the Oval Office. And she will succeed. I am Dick Cheney. I proudly voted for my daughter. I hope you will, too. Hmm. Well, Mr. Cheney is rather blunt there in what he had to say about Donald Trump. So, now we know. As I said, till this morning, I don't believe I had heard anything publicly, at least not anything, any audio of what the former vice president had to say with respect to this disagreement going on between his daughter Liz Cheney and the former president Donald Trump. But I think he makes it crystal clear, which is nice because sometimes people who have been in elected office and in the public spotlight sometimes it's hard to know exactly where they stand. But in this case, Richard Cheney is pretty clear. In our nation's 246-year history, there has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. Now, obviously, if Donald Trump wants to call in to reply to that, he is welcome to call at 607-772-1290. Of course, Mr. Trump supporters are welcome to call. Hey, Liz Cheney supporters are welcome to call, too. 607-772-1290. I'm Bob Joseph. We're live and local on your Monday morning from News Radio WNBF. First. News Radio 19 WNBM. Tom from Endwell. Good morning. You're on the air. Morning, Tom from Endwell. You're on the air on WNBM. Good morning, Bobby. You hear me? I can hear you now. Um, yeah, that the whole thing that you know going after Trump and whatever, like the same people that are pushing how guilty Trump is are the same people that called everything about Hillary Clinton and her private server and all the emails and smashing things. They all called that a conspiracy. But now that it's against Trump, it's fact. And that clip that you played with, with Cheney on it, the amount of violence the Democrats had used, even over the Roe versus Wade leak, you had Schumer. You had other high-powered politicians basically saying, "Go after the the judges," and they did. Like I've never seen, I've never seen evidence that uh, 
the the people who are upset with the Roe versus Wade ruling have uh, injured a judge or injured or gone after the FBI? When, when did that happen? When, when didn't, during the summer riots, they were going after they, they they went after the federal building. Roe versus Wade. It just it happened several weeks ago. Where are the riots? I I know there have been demonstrations. I've seen no riot. I've seen no one injured. No no uh, member of the government targeted. Um, tell me tell me who's been hurt. They they were not going after the judges in front of their homes. That's the that's the Democratic Party right there. But you know what? It's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay to be demonstrating outside someone's home. But the point is, I don't recall anyone being injured. The summer riots. Where, where were, where was the Democrats? There have been no riots this summer. The summer, we're two months into the summer. We have yet to have a, a summer riot. Bob, the 2020 riots. That had nothing to do with Roe versus Wade. That had everything to do with social justice. It was not related to the Roe versus Wade ruling, which just happened in June. Mm. So, so you didn't you didn't see all the picketing in front of the judges, and they got the guy, a, a, a Democrat supporter with a gun, going trying to go after the federal judges. Not one Democrat said that that was wrong and denounced it. Not one. Well, they should. It's. If you go with a, a gun anywhere near someone's house, it, it's indefensible. Bob, you deflect so bad. Unless it's Vinny or Matt Ryan, you're like their parrot. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're ridiculous. You're not even like, you don't even make sense. If you just sit back and watch what the Democrats have done. I mean, look at Hillary, Hunter Biden. They're like ignoring it. They don't even care. And, and you and, and you got Matt Ryan saying, "Oh, that's going to destroy." Hey, when Hunter Biden gets charged with something, then I'll I'll offer an opinion. He hasn't been charged with any, with anything yet. He's uh, under investigation. If he gets charged with something, then I'll offer my opinion. Yeah. Well, Trump hasn't been charged with anything either. But man, you attack him every day. Yeah. Well, you know he's he's definitely uh, doing a lot to stir up trouble, whereas Hunter Biden, his behavior may be questionable at times, but I haven't heard Hunter Biden do anything to try to stir up trouble and trying to encourage violence. And, you know, and, and, with, and when you talk about stolen elections... Wait, you didn't, you didn't respond to what I said. Hunter Biden, unlike Donald Trump, isn't telling people it'll be wild. He's not trying to get whip people into a frenzy. Hunter Biden is trying to hide. Right. So maybe he, maybe that's what Donald Trump should do. Keep quiet. Pay attention to what his lawyers say. I'm sure his lawyers say, whatever you do, don't say anything. That's the, the first advice any attorney will tell you about anything. Don't say anything in public. Don't talk to reporters. Don't call in to interview shows. Don't do anything. If anybody's going to say something... It'll be your attorney. That's why you hired me. So Donald Trump should follow Hunter Biden's apparent uh, course of action and keep quiet. Bob, look, I want to ask you one question. Why Why is it okay in 2016 to say that the elections were stolen 
and all that. That was okay to say. At, at one point, some people probably did say, and then you know what? Hillary Clinton conceded, and she didn't encourage her supporters to go to the Capitol in January of 2017, and it'll be wild and try to stop the, the process of getting the electoral votes confirmed. So she didn't do that. She may, in her heart of hearts, she may have thought the election was stolen or maybe that it was rigged, but she didn't encourage her supporters to go to the Capitol to cause trouble. No, she took it a step further. She made a fake dossier and lied about everything. Nobody died. Nobody was arrested. Everything was fine. You know, it's in terms of um, desecrating our nation's capital, Hillary Clinton, would never encourage that. Yeah, well, she did. Okay, I guess I missed that episode. It's 11.25 at WNBF. Pete from Johnson City, good morning. Hey, Bob, how are you doing? I am well. How are you, Pete? Doing well. I was, uh, I think, aren't they going to be doing something special about Rod Sterling now? Over at Rec Park, or did they do something or whatever? Well, they're planning to build a statue. We had oh, Donna Lopardo on a couple of weeks ago, and they're still planning to go forward with a a statue of Rod Serling over at Rec Park. They're gonna they're gonna put the statue near the George F. Johnson statue on the east side of the park. Oh, now, didn't didn't he, he he grew up in that area and he used that park a lot? Was that true? sure? Yeah, he, he lived nearby. So when he was a kid, when he was a Binghamton High School student, he went to uh, that park frequently. Yeah, and he didn't live very long, did he? Didn't he, like, he was only like 59, did I hear? Do I remember that right? Or what? I believe he died when he was 50. 50, yeah, very young, yeah. I believe he was undergoing heart surgery in Rochester, I think. Hmm. He was such an incredible man. I love his shows. You ever see the reruns of some of those old shows? I do. They're they're great. He uh, he was very gifted. Yeah, and, and just the way he would word things was incredible too. You know, he he get you right into it, and then you know at the end, it's amazing the point he came up with and the stuff afterwards too. So, and he was an activist. He was uh, in school. He was he, he you could tell based on some of the speeches he gave when he was in Binghamton High School. He was very. Very engaged in social issues, even as a teenager. Don't they have a sign out in front of the high school about him too? They do. They have um, awesome. they have one of the red and yellow historical markers uh, acknowledging Rod Serling went to this school. Yeah. So, well, I think that's cool. I just want to call about that. All right. All right. I'll keep you posted because uh, as soon as they start building the statue, we'll have total coverage. Okay. That'll be awesome. Okay. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, that's going to be great. The statue of Rod Surly. It's going to be larger than life. Larger than life. So that'll be probably built sometime next year. Which is a good thing. Honor Rod Surly. One of Binghamton's best. 607-772-1290 is the number. If you're listening, you might be tuned in on the radio at 1290 AM, 92.1 FM, or maybe you're listening online at WNBF.com. 
or perhaps you're listening on the world's most wonderful app called the WNBF app. Make sure you have the app on your phone, and that way you're always connected with your favorite radio station. More more calls coming up on your Monday morning with Bob Joseph on WNBF. Finding. WNBF will be wild at 11.31. Joan from Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Well, I just had to call you with with this one. Did I just hear you say that uh, President Trump encouraged his supporters to go to the Capitol and cause trouble? He told him in a tweet. Go to Washington, January 6th. We'll be wild. Be there. We'll be wild. Be there. We'll be wild, he said in his tweet in December. Well, that doesn't say that he encouraged them to cause trouble. Oh, yeah, just encouraged them to be there and be wild. Well, I mean, you encourage people to go to concerts. You encourage people to do all kinds of things. So we hold you up as being responsible. you know, if somebody does something there? If I encourage people to be wild and they get out of control, if I've got a pattern of encouraging people to be bad and to go to the Capitol when the election was to be certified, we'll be wild. Yeah, if I do, some, if I do something like that, they should investigate that. Uh, they should impanel some members of the House to look into my behavior. Well, he he told them while he was speaking at the rally to go peacefully. So, which one do you believe, or which uh, which uh, speech, or which president, or which whatever do you consider? He said he was going there, and then he didn't go with them. Instead, instead of no. a, a going with them, he went home to watch them on TV and watch them be wild for whatever it was until about almost 4.20 in the afternoon on January 6th when he finally told him, stop, I'm paraphrasing because he didn't actually say stop being wild, but the gist of it was, don't be so wild, go home. You're good people, but stop being wild, go home now. That's a paraphrase. That's not a direct quote because he, well, he, he, didn't, he, he didn't really, we even saw the outtakes to the, to his uh, historic tape, he said he didn't want to even acknowledge that he lost the election soon. Well, that's uh, if he feels he didn't lose the election, I guess, you know, there's been a whole pile of people before him ever since Gore that the Democrats have said they haven't lost elections. 
You know, in fact, they don't even. Agree yeah, but to they it still, still, but they still conceded. In the history of this great republic, there is only one candidate who never conceded, and his name is Donald John Trump. But this time, it was so blatant. Well, he thought it was, but he thought it was going to be rigged even before the election. I think he was talking about the election being rigged back in 2015, before it was even held the first time. And basically, he was laying the groundwork, if he happened to lose in the first election, he was laying the groundwork that he was going to call it rigged if he lost. So, I mean, clearly, the guy the guy has been doing his best over the last seven years or so to really encourage his supporters not to believe in our system of government. No, I don't think that's the case. I think he's trying to show up, and what has happened with Biden being in there, that this is just showing up so much more of what we have to, uh, you know, look at the way things are going with elections, the way things are going with, they say, by the end of Biden's administrations, 20% of the population will be illegal. Well, I don't believe that, but people are entitled to say what they want. Matt from Binghamton, good morning. You're on the air. Hey, good morning. Um, I'm glad to call back. How you been? Never better. Good for you. You sound good, too. You're clear, concise. I appreciate your commentary. I've got one quick comment. Uh, former President Donald Trump took a lot of classified files, and now each count, even as a federal misdemeanor, is punishable by three years in federal prison and a $100,000 fine per count. Now, be that as it may, I think you probably ought to do about three weeks around the off-year elections and find him, let's say it costs $113 million to transport him to play golf while he was president, plus, uh, I don't know, what have you got, 40, 50, 60, 80 counts times 100000 which is a, that's a lot of money. That it's a lot of money. He cost this country a lot of money because of the way he behaved in office, in my opinion. That's you're right. You're right. He did. And the, one of the problems we've got right now in Washington, and I'm not on the ballot to run for Congress, but I ought to, is that we need to balance the federal deficit. The corporations need to pay their fair share of taxes. And the people that have built into the American dream, the upper middle class, the wealthy people, we need to up their tax rates 38 percent or 40 percent. If I were a congressman, and I was making $440,000 a year, I would be willing to pay $40,000 in taxes. Now, at the lower end of taxes, at the federal level, if you're making minimum wage, say $14, $15 an hour, I don't think you should pay any federal tax. Yeah, that seems fair. You know, it seems it seems to me the people who have uh, more money and are living very comfortably should pay proportionately more. I'm not saying extortionary rates. I'm saying fair rates and that people who are just scraping to get by should catch a break. That's my opinion. You're, you're right. No, your opinion is valid. You know, there, there are other things. You know, when Clinton was president, we balanced the federal deficit with bipartisan cooperation with Newt Gingrich. We had that clock, the debt clock, going in the other direction. And we need to address that issue. Um we have a lot of poor people in Binghamton, people that are down and out, people that are barely scraping by. And those people need help, too. I mean, they need you don't want to hand out everybody. I, I think Binghamton is a hardworking, honest community. 
Um, if I were in Washington, another thing I would address would be the issue of global warming. And I, this is a kind of a sore spot with me because I look at Senango River and I see an algae bloom. And I wonder why is it so dry? Why is it so hot? Why is it that the Great Barrier Reef is dying? I mean, we're looking at it nine, ten years, the Great Barrier Reef might be gone. And a lot of people don't want to face that, that harsh reality. A lot of people are shrugging and, and insisting that there is simply nothing we can do. There is. There is. When you're out in your automobile, keep your speed at 2,100 RPMs on the highway. It's more efficient when you're driving. When you're stopped around Binghamton and you're on your cell phone and your air conditioning, think about that you're not in the environment. Your window's not rolled down, and you're on your cell phone in your own little world. We all are, but everybody counts, you know? Black lives matter, white lives matter, blue lives matter. I, I might have a little Indian blood in me. I'm mostly Irish, but red lives matter, too, you know? Yeah, we all matter, and and let's let's try to uh, do our best to support each other. Well, let's you know we're all in this together. We're all in the same boat, and it's just a lot of common sense. I know Matt Ryan was on a couple of days ago. I, he's a good friend of mine, actually. He's former mayor, and he took a lot of criticism about the roundabout. But the truth is, the roundabout saves time in Binghamton. We ought to not only time, but think of all the gas. Think of the thousands of gallons of gas that have been saved since the Ryan roundabout opened. Precisely. Now, on the main drag going up and down the strip, if the lights were all in sequence, and that's a state problem with the sequencing. Look at the man hours we waste on Main Street with the lights on us. I know. Yeah. Don't don't get me started. <laughs> Appreciate <laughs> your call. Okay, have a good day. Thank you. It's 1140 at WNBF. Matt from Binghamton. Good morning. You're on. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling back because Joan called twice. And Joan is trying to say that Trump... Uh, wasn't responsible for what happened on January 6th. You gave a pretty good litany of what he did. But what wasn't mentioned was if, if he didn't want that to happen, then why did he stand by for over three hours with all the everybody around him telling him to do something to, and not doing anything? I mean, you know, most can't most cases are based on circumstantial evidence but here we have direct evidence testified by at the hearings by all republican aides who have been subpoenaed and are telling the truth about how his family about you know mark meadows saying he just doesn't want to listen and he wanted to go up to the capitol but they wouldn't let him well how do you think his his family feels i mean uh even uh, Melania, she must feel uh, disappointed that her husband allowed this to go on for so long before finally intervening. Right. I mean, you know, Donald Trump is is a, a savvy uh, pro- provocateur, and he doesn't, you know, he thinks he can get away with everything by plausible deniability. But this time... People have spoken. They told that we, you know, if you went by his speech, you could say, oh, he want, for one moment he said, be peaceful, let's go. But then 
when every when it was all hell was breaking loose, what did he do? He said Mike Pence deserved maybe he deserved what he was uh, that to be hung. He said, uh, you know, he didn't do anything when police were getting beaten and and sprayed by bears, bear uh, repellent. He was he did nothing until he was absolutely forced to. And then we've seen the outtakes uh, from the next day where he didn't want to say the election was over. He didn't want to, he didn't want to say these people were bad. He didn't want to say anything because, and then it goes all the way back to talking about what Bannon, uh, Bannon said on the radio, say, you're going to be very surprised what happens tomorrow. Buckle up or strap. strap oh, yeah. In. That alone was evidence that they knew there was likely to be big trouble. Right, exactly. And then once they really get to the bottom of all this and see how, uh, you know, all the emails were destroyed by the defense people, not just the Secret Service, but also Defense Department officials that were pro-Trump, this is the biggest scandal that's ever hit the United States of America, ten times bigger than Richard Nixon. Uh, you know, it's not even close. This guy wanted to overturn our democracy and oh just one more thing about al gore al gore what people there's a whole documentary about this it wasn't about if he really wanted to make noise he would have been and if he wasn't uh you know if we weren't if he wasn't like cared about the uh, cared about our democracy the reality is jeb bush was secretary of state of florida and he wiped out 19,000 eligible voters who mostly would have you know, on all accounts would have voted for um, for Gore, and even knowing that, he didn't uh, do what Trump's doing. I mean, that was the most. Yeah, that was a rigged election because Jeb Bush took 19,000 legal voters off the rolls because their names were at all similar to felons, and they found out later all these people they they counted for 19,000 people who shouldn't have been taken off the rolls who mostly would have voted. That's why they were calling it. All except Fox News was calling it for Gore back then. I was a commentator on. Uh, I remember on that night on uh, Fox News they asked me to come on, and it was shocking what was happening, and and they got away with it. Because of Clarence Thomas and and because of the Supreme Court, what do you think of this Supreme Court's going to do if they're ever faced with these kinds of things? These are the kinds of issues we're facing that people should be really afraid of because we're not going to have a democracy if if um, if Trump comes anywhere near the White House and any of these other crazy people are all saying that they're going to decide elections in their states. Well, that's the thing. That's one of the biggest issues is what's going to happen in uh, several states with the uh, sector, set, new secretaries of state who could ultimately cause all sorts of havoc. Appreciate the call. Two mats in a row. How often does that happen on the radio? 1145, Bob from Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Good. This is the biggest scandal since Russian collusion, isn't it? It's remarkable. It's just remarkable that that they just won't do anything with this guy. He is still walking free. And at some point, who's to say he doesn't have some other secret documents that he could sell to uh, a sworn enemy of this country? Don't, don't forget the uh, D-Day invasion plans were, top, were in a top-secret box. You could probably, they're probably still in a top-secret box. That's yeah, right. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, people who play fast and loose with this nation's security, you have to wonder, 
what the motivation is. But the question is, why, if, if Trump is in Capitol Security, he's not even allowed to go down there during a riot like that with the troops, because that is, that is a, a, a coup. He's not authorized. He authorized 20,000 troops on the force, and Pelosi didn't take them. Well, one thing that uh, should have happened is he should have gone on the the horn as soon as there it was clear that people were uh, trespassing inside the capital of the United States and announced it clearly. People, leave. All people inside the capital, leave. All people outside the United States capital, please leave because we don't want any further trouble. Thank you. They're not watching TV in the Capitol. Yeah, but they have phones. They all had their phones. They all had Twitter, Facebook, Instant Grams. They shut it down. They, they, there was no way to communicate with those people at all. There was absolutely no way to communicate. And to them, and to tonight, it is stupid. Like you said, three hours. Why the hell are you going to get information in there like that in three hours? Oh, it, it could have been done. Trust me, he was the most powerful man on the planet. If he wanted his supporters to know that he wanted them to leave at once, he could have found a way to get the message to him. Bottom line is he didn't want to, and that's sad. It's very sad that he didn't want to get the message to his supporters. Nick from Herkimer, good morning. You're on the air. Morning, Bob. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I want to respond to Matt Ryan uh, and his version of January 6th. Let's go just a little bit before that day. Who was responsible for security? Nancy Pelosi. Who turned down the uh, National Guard when Donald Trump offered it to, to provide the security? Nancy Pelosi. So uh, let's not say this is all Donald Trump, and let's not talk about the three hours it took for him to get help. Let's not talk about that. Well, in my opinion, Nancy Pelosi has nothing to do with it. Nancy Pelosi had her office desecrated by uh, members of the mob, by Donald Trump supporters. We all saw the video. It was, it was horrific. It was shocking. It was the type of thing you never thought could happen in the United States of America. I'm sorry, Bob, but Nancy Pelosi wanted that to happen. Hey, I don't know if she wanted it to happen. I can't believe that she did. But, you know, bottom line is she didn't call Trump supporters to come to Washington and say it will be wild. Nancy Pelosi never encouraged a single person to go to Washington, except for obviously the electors who had public business to do. But she had no uh, ability to uh, tell people to stay home. Bad people going to Washington intent on blocking the certification of the vote? Come on, man. Oh, Bob, you know, this will be wild. Trump says that about everything. This will be great. This will be fantastic. This will be wild. He did not call people to come there to riot. He called there because of the freedom to speak, and that's why they were called there. The freedom to voice their objections to election fraud, which is, if you watch one and a half hour of the 2,000 mules. Oh, we can't talk about that. I'm sorry. Dinesh Souza. I'm sorry. We're not talking about his mules. His uh, provocative propaganda piece. I know a lot of people have seen it, but you have to keep it in the context in what in which it was presented. So if you want to go see the mules, 
and give more of your hard-earned money to Dinesh D'Souza, do it. It's a free country. It's 1150. WNBF, WNBF.com. WNBF 607-772-1290 to talk on the radio on this Monday morning. Will be wild. <laughs> oh my goodness! Eleven fifty-three. WNBF. You can't yell radio in a crowded theater either. Let's see what else is happening here. Taking a look at the email as it just continues to flow in here at Email Central. Huh. All right. That's interesting. Oh, here's another thing. Ah, a guy says, I agree. You are indeed a savvy provocateur. Wait a second. I'm not the former president. Come on, man. <laughs> a savvy provocateur. I think not. I represent that. Uh, what, what else here? Oh, yeah, I saw this story. Thank you, Jesse, for pointing this out from the New York Daily Post. A guy named Guy Cuomo wanted the judge and jury to be certain that they knew, knew that he had nothing to do with the former guy, Andrew Cuomo. Yeah, it was interesting. I think the, uh, I think he was some sort of a scammer. I don't recall all the particulars, but he wound up being convicted by a jury, but he requested to the judge, oh, please, 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 people, please, I am not related to the former guy. I am Guy Cuomo. I'm not former Guy Cuomo. <laughs> That'd be like, I suppose, in um, many states, like, all, uh, like New York, if your name is Guy Trump, you probably would ask the judge... Please, let the jury know I'm not related to the former Guy Trump. I'm just Guy Trump. <laughs> just Guy Trump, not former Guy Trump. So, interesting. Thanks for pointing that out. And the truth is, you know, you don't want, you don't want to be a victim of... Um, circumstance like that. It's just a, a sad thing that your name happens to coincide with someone who 
is not necessarily popular. I, I know someone who has a name that's identical to someone who was accur- accused recently of something serious, and the person was very concerned that people would confuse the person who was accused with the person who had the similar name. So that's certainly bad when that happens. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, it's Jim from Vestal. How are you today? Good. What's on your mind? Good. Just wanted to give you a quick update on the uh, false accusation that Donald Trump uh, requested the uh, the National Guard. Uh, Pelosi doesn't Pelosi doesn't um, have that authority. Okay, and I'm reading a story that's been fact checked ten times, and it says based on their research. We rate false the claim that Pelosi rejected Trump's request for 10,000 National Guard troops. Pelosi's office speaker does not was was not contacted about deploying the National Guard to the rally, and the Pentagon has previously stated there is no record of the request. A timeline from the Department of Defense about the events leading up to January 6 does not include any mention of a request for 10,000 members. Now. There is a statement in there that Donald Trump made to uh, Mr. Miller, I believe, uh, on January the 3rd. And that's the only time that I see anything about the National Guard. And even Ted Cruz said in a Senate hearing, if the discussions took place, that they didn't talk about it. So that whole thing about Pelosi and Pelosi wanted this to happen is completely debunked. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I glad, I'm glad we were able to get Jim's call in right before we wrap up for the day. Yes, Nancy Pelosi has been vindicated. Thank you so much, Jim, for pointing that out. I'm Bob Joseph. Thank you very much for being with us today. We will do it again tomorrow from 9 to noon right here on WNBF. Your new award-winning all-in-one HR software for free with no strings attached. Visit BambooHR.com slash Panda for this free trial offer. That's BambooHR.com slash Panda.